coming up on Art Palace. I'm I'm the I'm the one guy who destroys the whole premise of the of the holiday film because I'm kind of like yeah I'm the Scrooge and I'm still the Scrooge at the end of this. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is film critic T.T. Sternenzi. We just looked up. It has been now almost three years since you've been here. We both thought it was two or less. <laughs> but it, so I was like, you, I know you just did this. No, you didn't. It's actually been actually quite a while. Um, but I thought it'd be fun to have you in to talk about Christmas movies uh, today. And also, um, I have a weird idea for what we can do in the galleries today <laughs> and how to incorporate these. So I hope it works out. But I, I, uh, I'm not sure it will. Um, you told me, though, that you're not actually a big fan of christmas movies i'm not a big fan of the holidays in general so (laughs) (laughs) yeah the movies are the movies actually make it worse for me so yes that's that's a problem for in terms of personally and professionally yes Mm. what so what is it I, i i'm not sure where to start uh where what is it about the holidays that you don't really love well, I hate the the whole commercialization of right. the gifts and spending mm. and all of that stuff. I mean, again, as a kid, I can remember, I guess, those early years when you, you know, you're, you you believe that Santa Claus exists and you're going to get gifts and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I had a, a few a few good years of that. Right. But then once I, once I realized that that wasn't true, it just became much more about family. So for me, it was really the, the more exciting part of it was, okay, you get everybody together. We have these really great meals mm. and you hang out and you talk and you see people you haven't seen for a while and the gifts and all that stuff kind of faded. Yeah. But unfortunately in the culture that didn't fade. Right. And then yeah. we have, you know, the season starting earlier and earlier each year with Black Friday sales and now it feels like it starts in October and you just can't get away from all of that. And I'm I'm on the the other end of it, too, just, I guess, on the personal side, because the only thing that kind of matters to me about the season outside of the family stuff is I get up and I go to Christmas morning mass and that's it. Yeah, I don't need anything else. And, you know, the, the great thing now is my, my wife is Jewish, so I get up, I go to mass and then we go to the movies and we have Chinese food. So that's. That's a perfect holiday right there for me. I don't need anything else because I actually do get to go to the movies, but we don't see holiday films. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, I, and I could have a good meal. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to Brazil for Christmas. And uh, one of the things that I the last time I was there was actually last November. And one of the things I realized we have exported now to around the world is Black Friday. Um, <sighs> it is. I mean, I've heard multiple people talk about this now in, in multiple countries. So it's not just there. It's like all over the place. But it's so funny because like they do not have American Thanksgiving, obviously, in Brazil, but they have Black Friday Wow! on the same day. It's on it's always on the exact same day as it is here. And what's crazy is they call it Black Friday, like in English. <laughs> 
So you'll be like hearing this, you know, we'll, we were sitting somewhere in a bar or something and you would see a TV commercial and like it would be like all in Portuguese. And then son- suddenly they would be like, Black Friday, you know, like that would just pop up. So they don't, you know, translate it. It's still like in English. It's bizarre. It's horrible. <laughs> that's I mean, really, that says something about us that I'm not happy again that's why i don't like the season (laughs) (laughs) it was sort of like oh no why did you take this this is the worst thing we've got like this is the like this is not the thing you should have should have adopted i guess it makes sense like obviously you're not going to take this holiday that's built around american history but did you have to take the terrible day after it well and that's yeah like i said that's what we've got which is kind of funny now talking about the idea of, you know, the holiday films, because, again, I mentioned that part of my holiday celebration is actually going to the movies. Yeah. But even at that, I like I said, I don't want to see holiday films either. You know, if I'm this is the time of the year when you're getting the best films that are coming out for award season. Yeah, Why true. would I want to go see some sadly crappy either rom-com right. or, you know, family thing that's going to make me want to, you know, I hate to say it, but kind of puke because it's like, okay, really, <laughs> it's all about this fake holiday and how we're supposed to love each other and there's no real love or sentiment in it at all. Yeah. So why do I need to see that? Yeah, I'd rather go see Parasite right now. I think the thing that doesn't always work for me about holiday films is that you always feel that hard push or the hard sell for some sort of fake sentimentality mm. and yeah i don't really want to respond to that because like i said again i'm already kind of cynical about holidays anyway so it's like well when you push it on me and you're trying to say oh isn't this lovely isn't this sort of the the spirit of the season this is what we should all care about and i'm kind of looking at you like i know that's not true in any way so <laughs> stop trying to push it on me. you know what's funny is i was thinking about this when uh before you came in about like the sort of thrust of most like most movies that I think you would actually call a full blown Christmas movie, like where Christmas is actually a part of the plot or is the point of the movie is like almost always there. There is a person who does not like Christmas, right? Like that is almost always the thing about it. And I was sort of like, it's such a originally I was going to say it's such a false premise because it's like everyone likes Christmas. But then now I'm sitting here talking to you (laughs) and I realize that actually you are the person, maybe the only audience for these movies, the only person who really needs these movies. And and I've never been sold on them. (laughs) And you're the one person who doesn't appreciate that. (laughs) I'm I'm the, I'm the one guy who destroys the whole premise of the, of the holiday film because I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm the Scrooge and I'm still the Scrooge at the end of this. I kind of like that, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess I'm I, I, my, my, me saying that everybody loves Christmas is sort of uh, brushing over the fact that there are many people in the world who do not celebrate Christmas, many people in the country who do not celebrate Christmas. So obviously there are lots of people who don't care about Christmas uh, for pretty good reasons. Right. So <laughs> but I, I would probably say that there are fewer people who actually do what I do for a living who actually don't in some ways have some sort of sense of appreciation of the season and the stories or a particular performance or whatever. Mm. But it's funny because I'm setting myself up as this huge Scrooge about the whole season and everything. But then one of the films 
that always works for me. And again, it's played year round anyway. So I guess technically it's really not a Christmas film, but it does take place during the holidays is love actually you like love actually i love love actually and it's been funny like this season telling people that because as soon as it comes out of my mouth i'm always like oh crap i just let people know that i'm probably not a real critic now because they're like oh man he likes love actually yeah no tell me why you i love that you love it yeah tell me why yeah i on a weird personal level the the colin firth segment of that story works for me because 25 years ago I had this weird massive dream of wanting to go to Portugal okay I was single and didn't know much about the world yet I was out of college and really excited about things and I was like wow I want to go to Portugal and I'll meet my wife and she'll speak Portuguese and I won't and we'll have to figure out a language together and all of this weird, goofy, romantic stuff, but I just imagined at the end of this whole experience of meeting her and settling down there that 50 years later we would be outside one day at a massive table and we would have all of our family around and technically we still wouldn't speak each other's languages, but we would have this whole loving family and, you know, everything spread out before us and that was that was my, my dream back then. Okay. And in some ways... That's kind of what gets hijacked in that film. So every time I watch it, I'm always like, wow, he actually lived my dream. Huh. That's fascinating. I mean, it is a movie that's it's such a strange movie in that it's so like it's these little vignettes, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's hard. Like when you started talking about this, like, I forgot that's even in that movie. <laughs> like when you were saying it, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. So but there's so many different stories happening that I was like, oh, yeah, that right. happens. And it's it's funny, too, because it's actually not not only is it really not a, a Christmas or a holiday film, it's honestly not necessarily the most romantic and idealized kind of story either. Because, again, that, the whole notion of what kicks off, you know, the, the Firth character's journey is the fact that he's being cheated on by his wife with his brother. Right. And if you look at all of the the romantic stories, they all have this awkward weirdness to them. There's Mm -hmm. Alan Rickman, who's about to cheat on his wife. Right. You know, there's the couple that meets, you know, while they were like extras on a porn set. Right. I mean, again, if you really, really think about it, that's a it's a bizarre film. You know, Liam Neeson's character loses his wife and. He's trying to coach his young son and, and, you know, sort of figuring out how to, like, go after the love of his life. And it turns out that the love of his life is has the same name as his mother. Yeah. Which, yeah, again, once you start really breaking down all that stuff, it gets it gets somewhat icky almost at times. The the only the other part of the movie that I always remember that is just to me the most insane thing in that movie is the the young guys who are so excited to go to America to meet women. And then they get here and like conventional storytelling has told me that this will not turn out the way they, they think it will because their dream is so absurd. And it's like this idea, like we're just going to go to America. We're British. We're going to charm everybody. It's going to be amazing. And then the story is that it works. (laughs) the end of it right. basically and it works even that works in a bizarre way because they get here and they meet 
like the most generically like modely like right. beer commercial like basically they walk into a beer commercial and the whole thing is shot in this way that always feels like a dream sequence or something right. but then there's no ever like cut away from it or like it never like it just basically ends and it's like yep that was reality right and, and, and you, they bring it back to they bring it back to England and yeah. it's like okay yeah it worked yeah. hey this is great it's so insane it's the most insane part of that movie that I've always like I actually do I've always really loved that part of it like so that's that's maybe my thing about love actually is it's like it's so many other little movies that it's easy to sort of like oh I like this one uh, this one I'm not so cr- crazy about and it's it is very strange form you know right but it and, does have an amazing cast too and it has the you know the nativity story with like a lobster right. like out of nowhere you get that and you're like yeah i'm the lobster and you're like, okay that so again it's it's again it takes place during the holidays but it doesn't feel any need or desire to stick to that and it gives you just enough of the i guess enough of the pure kind of sweet sentiment of it all but yeah, then it goes in all those ca- other bizarre, are kind of bizarre places. I too. think it counts as a Christmas movie, though, like in the sense that the so many of those plots revolve around the like traditions of Christmas, right? Like mm-hmm. Christmas plays, gifts, all of those things are sort of the crux for like what's happening in these stories for the most part that it seems like that's enough to me that that, like it's not just a movie that is taking place at Christmas but could take place at any other time of the year like I don't know if that movie could take place I mean I'm sure you could come up with a a version where like you're just buying somebody this for a birthday or something you know like you you could come up with a version but gary marshall basically took that premise and then came up with new year's eve and valentine's day and whatever else labor day or (laughs) you know there's a string of this whatever he came up with so you could separate out the holiday from it but yeah actually i would agree with you and it's funny because it 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 feels more definitely more like a holiday film in that way than say, you know, sort of the endless debate about whether Die Hard is a holiday film. Right, right, right. But yeah, Die Hard, yes, takes place at during Christmas. at Christmas time. But yeah, that's even though I also kinda like the idea of playing around with arguing with people saying, Yeah, it's a holiday film too. Right, right, right. But no, that's again, and we've proven that, yeah, you can you can set Die Hard at any time of the year and it It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like the only thing it's really doing is like giving. And again, I haven't seen Die Hard in a while, but it's giving an excuse for an office party. Right. Right. Like that's that's the benefit of having it at Christmas is you have the office party happening and you have a good excuse for him to be coming home. Right. Like, is that kind of. Well, he's not coming home. He's actually going to meet the, his wife who works out in California. Okay. For that one. I think the second one, they also use the time period sort of again, but she's coming back to New York uh, okay. in the second film. Right. I can't believe I'm actually sitting here running through the, the time and the setting sequences <laughs> the of the of Die Hard films. But it's great. Die Hard's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, the first two. Well, I, first one and a half. I hadn't seen it for, like until I was a, a fully grown adult, so <laughs> I uh, I was sort of surprised by how much I liked it because I'm not like a huge action fan. And and when I watched, it, I was like, oh, this movie's great. It's like it's super. It's a super tight 
tightly plotted movie. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's wonderful. It's it's wonderful to watch. Yeah, I think whenever anyone pulls out that Die Hard's a Christmas movie, and like honestly, again, like I don't actually really care. Like I'm not like it, it seems like the the idea of arguing over these things seems absolutely absurd to me. But I always think of it like Die Hard's a Christmas movie in the same way like Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie. <laughs> like <laughs> like, but your family does not gather around to watch Eyes Wide Shut, right? Wow, like, that's true i mean i could maybe argue eyes wide shut is more of a christmas movie than die hard in a way i feel like it is at least visually omnipresent in the movie yes in a way that it's probably not for die hard like you can't escape christmas lights in that movie they're everywhere that's that's true no, but, but, but they also really... don't make the same. Again, it doesn't draw as much attention. Yeah, as I mean, Die Hard does in its really cheeky kind of moments. Mm. Pl- really plays up the the, yeah. the fun of okay, yeah, I'm going to put a you know the Santa hat on a right. guy after I've killed him, right, and send him back. That you know, it's it's definitely doing that kind of stuff. Whereas, yes, you're not going to get that in Eyes Wide Shut. But you're right, the season and the lights and Everything about it will it stands in a very different way. Yeah, one of the things I think about that, like when I think about the Christmas lights in that movie too, is it has this weird effect of like most of the Christmas lights in the movie are the same Christmas lights. So like you'll be in various locations, but they have the exact same colors on the trees. Right, and so it's like it's it's another thing that becomes sort of weird and dreamlike about that movie where it's like, is this reality like that I'm watching? Because everything is like sort of lit in these very specific ways. And like, you're seeing the same colors, like in all of these various places. Um, I mean, there's not, it's not like every single tree in the, in the movie, but I feel like there's a lot of the significant locations. There's a lot of this like pink color in a lot of the lights that I feel like is very distinct. It's not a very, it's also not a very Christmassy color. So I like that that becomes through like when, right. um, see now you're forcing me, I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. It's been a while since I've seen it, but you know, I was, when I was in Toronto this year at the film festival, I went to, uh, I took an evening off, went to a art gallery that was you know, was doing a talk on The Shining, and okay. actually the talk was about the Canadian art that's featured in The Shining, which oh, really? I, no one ever thinks about the notion of Canadian art in there, but there, it, this art historian has actually gone through frame by frame of the film and found at this point up to th- 32, I believe, different pieces of Canadian art that are featured in the film. And sort of the question is like, well, what was Kubrick thinking putting Canadian art, yeah, especially like, that much Canadian art in there? Hmm. Um, but now it's funny because I'm kind of thinking about the lights now in the same way. Like, okay, yes, it was during the holidays, but you had you know that there was a reason why, as you said, he used that 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 same look yeah. of the lights, and there's a purpose behind it all. So now I kind of like I said, I kind of want to go back and really pay attention to that. Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut, my Christmas movie recommendation. Right, there you go. <laughs> so you and, s- and you just made my Christmas season by giving me a new Christmas film to kind of think about. So there you go. 
That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're looking for something to watch with the kids and the family, <laughs> don't it's, do it. I'm it's sorry. the gift that doesn't keep on giving. Right, you don't right. want to do that. Yeah. It's like the probably like even if somebody took me seriously and tried to like make a child watch Eyes Wide Shut, they would like leave the room within probably like 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, it wouldn't take long. I feel like they would be so bored with it like <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> well, you've given that. So I'm going to again, I teased this earlier. Earlier, I'm actually going to give you the film for me now that feels like the best encapsulation of the the Christmas season. And for me, that film is Children of Men. Interesting. OK, <laughs> again, does it happen at Christmas or are you just it technically doesn't really. <laughs> but what it is about and again, it's 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 kind of a. It's almost like a Christ-like story in a way. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Yeah. So that piece of it is what works. And again, it comes together. You know, you get through this whole, you know, society, a child hasn't been born in X number of years or over a decade. And you understand and see that humanity is about to collapse. And then, yes, there is a woman who's who becomes pregnant and mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out how to get protect this woman how do you get her to safety and towards the end of the film there is that sequence when she finally has the child mm. and they are in this war-torn area bombs flying bullets flying everywhere Clive Owen is is with her and he has this baby and he starts to try to move through this battle zone and all of a sudden, everyone recognizes, oh, crap, it's a child. Mm-hmm. And everything stops. And there is that moment of peace that takes place in that film. And for me, like I said, that's the moment that's kind of like, OK, well, if you're going to talk about Christmas and sort of the, the religion and that aspect of it, that's it. Yeah, that's the perfect way. That, but again, you also get that with. Everything else has come before. And I mean, it's got that really cool action sequence with, you know, the the car chase where everything is shot inside the car. Yeah. And again, all of this stuff that's built into it. You've got Julianne Moore and, and Clive Owens and she would tell Edgy of is in there. And so you've got a great cast. And again, all of this really weird and interesting kind of action heroics and the stuff going on and. And yeah, then all of a sudden, I don't know where you get that scene. And for me, that scene, and maybe it's because there's that little part of me, like I said, I'd still go to mass every Sunday, you know, every Christmas morning. Um, So the part of me that believes in that aspect of things sees that film and says, okay, yeah, that's that's still at the heart for me Mm. of what the whole season is supposed to be about. And I feel like that's probably the least sort of trod territory of of Christmas, right? Like right. I mean most most Christmas movies are based on I feel like either a derivative of a Christmas carol mm-hmm. or it's a wonderful life or you know like there's so many things that are just like oh well, we'll just do that um right or some sort of extension of it. I was thinking about it's a wonderful life. I mean, it's it's a movie that again like how much of that movie really takes place at Christmas? Like it's been a while since I've seen it, but I mean, I know obviously a lot of it does. And I wonder if it feels like it's a little bigger than the season. In some yeah, ways too. Like, cause it's so much about this whole person's life. And right. I remember when I first watched it, like it was one of those movies that 
I was aware of it's, you know, everything about it basically before I'd seen it. And when I watched it, I think I remember kind of being like, oh, this is bigger than Mm -hmm. a Christmas movie in certain ways. Like it was surprising to me that it just kind of had become a Christmas movie. But I, I mean, I can understand why, like there's so many things that revolve around Christmas. And again, like maybe there's something about the way, like the angels in that movie work and that's similar to the ghosts in a Christmas Carol. Right. There's maybe even a little bit of a connection there between those two Mm -hmm. stories, um, that has connected it. But that's also an interesting thing to think about how, like, like Dickens isn't that old, really. Like to have that big of an impact on like culture, like it's not that it's not that long ago. That's true. That is true. Like to imagine like Christmas before Dickens, <laughs> Christmas before a Christmas Carol. Well, you know, it's funny as we were talking about all of this. You know, we, yeah, we just hit on the idea that in essence, you don't really get sort of the the nativity story as part of the season mm. on screen in that way. And it was because I was sitting here thinking about it. I was like, well, yeah, you know, you have nativity plays, which again are referenced in love actually or whatever. The, the, the idea of getting children together to reenact that is something that is a part of the season mm-hmm. or it again, especially within a, a religious context, but you don't have sort of that quintessential nativity film yeah yeah you know there is no there's no film that really does that that we look back on and we're like ooh, yeah that's that's it and you're right it's funny because we have dickens and you know i think it'd be hard to make it that into a real like three-act structure though isn't it (laughs) like i think that's maybe the problem is that it feels like a half hour at best right like it doesn't feel like you know, there's a reason you when you go to those Christmas plays, uh, you know, at a church or something, they're not usually they don't right. have an intermission. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not a long story. Like they usually have to pad them with music and things to sort of like, you know, spread it out, because ultimately you can really cruise that through that story pretty quickly. Well, I mean, let's think about it, though. Is it really any different than Love Actually, though? Like you could you could take the nativity story and and throw that's in. true several other kinds of like, vignettes what are the sh- in there. What are the shepherds doing? Yeah. Like the shepherd story. The I mean, that movie, games. I want to see that. Actually, yeah. that would be actually fascinating. <laughs> but I feel like the movie I want to see is like one of these movies that is like being protested, basically. <laughs> but because uh, it's but I, I, having a little too much fun with the material. But I think yeah. that would be great. Like that would actually be a really fun movie to see. But I don't know if like it would be sanctioned by the church. <laughs> I don't, but I feel like I'm hoping that somehow this podcast ends up reaching Richard Curtis. Okay. And I doubt that will happen. Yeah, <laughs> I doubt it will. But you know what? If by some strange chance miracle. he hears this, hey a Christmas miracle. Think about the possibility of mm. turning the nativity into the nativity actually. <laughs> the let's nativity we, actually. Let's see what we can do about that. <laughs> Um, so you actually, uh, we, uh, you said you, you had, uh, seen last Christmas as well this year. Yes. Did you have to review it? I, yeah, I ended up talking about it on, on TV mm-hmm. for the review. I, unfortunately I didn't have to write about it. Oh, okay. That would have been the, yeah. difficult and troubling in its own way. It's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> Too much work for something you didn't like. Yeah, you know, and it's it. Again, it's one of those films you go into, and if you don't know the twist, 
Okay. It, I was thinking about this today because I was like, oh, I, I saw it as well. And I was like, oh, I want to talk to him about it. But I don't know how to talk about it. That's not doesn't give away there, right. that this movie has a twist. I, honestly, I feel like telling you that this movie has a twist means you'll probably figure it out halfway through it because I had heard the same thing. And so then I like started realizing. But man, when I realized what that twist was, I was like. That is bananas. Like that is so. A part of me sort of respects this movie for being so audaciously weird and also like hyper literal about yes, song lyrics. Definitely, that's exactly what I've been thinking the whole time. I'm this like, movie, that's maybe you shouldn't go that literal with the song right? lyrics. Like it's it, so uh, man. Again, like this. This is only interesting to people who have actually seen this movie. Because I'm trying to not just give it away by talking about it. But yeah, like it is the most literal interpretation of a song into a movie that I've ever seen. Yes. In in a way that, of course, you don't think it is for a while. Um, But yeah, that was a real turn. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious that to see and again, I'm, I'm going to make another weird acknowledgement here. It's just the fact that I've actually never seen Game of Thrones. Oh, OK. So I, I that's it's in the it's, it's in a queue in my head somewhere where I know I need to see it at some right. point. So, yes, I haven't seen Amelia Clark in the thing that everyone knows her for, but mm-hmm. I have seen her in film so far. And my thought about her is, wait a minute. You don't want to be her romantic object of her affection in films because it doesn't end well for you. That's that holds true for the for Game of Thrones as well. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about that, but I'm just kind of like, wow, like you. Yeah, I wonder if she knows that she's doing that. If she's making these very conscious decisions about that. <laughs> I mean, it ends fine for her because yeah, I mean, all of these films kind of end fine for her. And again, she's in that. She's in that really bad Terminator oh, uh, yeah. film, which, of course, kind of lets you know that it doesn't exactly end well for the Kyle Reese character is this in there. The one that is brand new or one before? No, it's the one before. Because okay. the, the new one, one before isn't it. out yet, right? The, the new one is out. It is. Okay, the one with Linda Hamilton yeah. is back. Yeah, which okay. I I kind of liked, but yeah. it didn't didn't do well at the box office. But hers was, I think that was Terminator Genesis. No, okay. That she was in. And again, it kind of tried to reboot things and sort of create the idea of, I guess, her character is Sarah Connor. And again, uh, you had a Kyle Reese who comes back and things don't, you know, we, again, we all kind of know what happens to Kyle Reese. <laughs> so again, she has, she has found herself in roles where, yes, her romantic interests just don't ever survive survive that that uh, terminator movie had like it was following the tradition of like i feel like every movie trailer i saw this summer and up through now i guess which is uh to take an, a song and then have like a moody really slowed down cover of it mm, which that yes. one used a uh, bjork's hunter um, yes which because i'm such a like a, a real bjork head um <laughs> I, of course, perked up immediately when I heard him, uh, the, the words. I was like, wait a minute. But it was like, if travel is searching. Like, everything has to have, like, a super slowed down version of a, of an upbeat song or something. Like, the, the one that made me crack up the most was the Godzilla trailer with <laughs> Over the Rainbow. Yes. Because I just was like, what does that mean? <laughs> 
and it doesn't mean anything at right? all. Like I kept trying to like. I mean, I saw. I went and saw it, and I still was like, I don't think this means anything. Like right. I don't. You know, there's exactly one movie that came out recently that gets to use somewhere over the rainbow, and that's Judy. Right. <laughs> and I don't think uh, I don't think Godzilla earned it. No. I not mean, at I kept all. trying to be like really stretching my mind like is there i mean because it's not hard to imagine movies like you know pulling from the basic sort of idea of wizard of oz but that one doesn't in any way right well but then again you know we just lamented the idea of last christmas being way too literal yeah so i guess this is the other end of the spectrum where you can not have any connection at all you're just but i think some connection would be good (laughs) i'm not saying it has to be as literal as last christmas um but like something you know like just give me something to connect to otherwise like why just you could use anything right you could use i don't know i'm trying to think of a you could use the Brady Bunch theme song, right? Like, sure. wh- why, why, like, if if you were sitting there and all of a sudden a moody, like, here's a story. <laughs> now boom, I want to see, boom, I want to see that being used though. Now that would of be a great. Lovely lady. Boom, oh. boom, 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 boom. But then it's like not has anything to do with the Brady Bunch, you know? Like, yeah, honestly, I could I could hear that in in like a reboot of the X Men right now. <laughs> <laughs> I totally want to see I want to see that film Okay Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well any other uh, Before we go in the galleries Any other uh, last uh, Christmas movie thoughts <laughs> Last Complaints. Christmas movie thoughts You know again I, I didn't mean that as last Christmas <laughs> But I realized as I said that I meant last thoughts <clears throat> concerning Christmas movies Or last thoughts concerning the film Last Christmas Well the less said about last Christmas The better except that People who have been teased by our talk of a twist, you need to go see it. Except that we were both telling you to go see a movie that we don't really think is actually all that very good. It's, it's not, but the, but it's fun. It's fine. You know, I think I gave my uh, my review here in the office, my office review to people, which was like, it's fine. You know, like it's 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 a cable watch. You know, like, yes, definitely. It's more of definitely. a cable watch than you do not need to rush out to the theater to see this movie. But if like it's on, you've got an hour and a half. Sure, like why not? Like right. you'll be treated to like Emma Thompson for a while, which you know I'm always like down for that. Like she's funny. She's yeah. she's charming in it. Um I always forget the actress's name. Um the who's runs the store. Oh yeah. Michelle Yo. Yeah. She was just mm-hmm. in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Right. Yeah. She's great. Again, it's like she's she's working with what she's got here. Right. Like and I, they would, I don't definitely like, don't give her much to work they with. Don't. So like I don't want to say like, oh, her part is amazing or something, but just like I think she is fun to watch kind of no matter what she's doing. Felt like from the trailers I had seen, I thought her character was gonna go in one way and they kind of took her in a different direction that I wasn't expected. And she became a little bit more lovable than I expected. So right. I kinda like that. I, I I was I was I was down with her in yeah. that. So there's at least enough people who are talented in that movie to sort of kind of pull it through. <laughs> right. And if you like the George Michael music, yeah, sure. How? So he died on Christmas. Right. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and this is something that's not really addressed by this movie, but it feels like it's part of it on some level. It does. And I don't know. That actually makes it feel like that's part of the twist, though, too. 
Yeah, but it's super weird. Like, I don't know if if I was George Michael, I would really like the <laughs> fact that me just having to die on Christmas has like put me now as like the ghost of Christmas in this weird way. I right. don't know. Yeah, I think I kind of hinted at that when I talked about it on TV too. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something that's uncomfortable about, or it, maybe unsettling is more like it. Yeah, because it just, it's like only a few years ago. Like, yeah. it really was quite recent. And so, I don't know, there's just something. I mean, maybe that makes sense that, like, George Michael and Christmas are connected in our brains for some weird reason now. Like, even though, again, I think that's the only song, right? Like, Last Christmas, does he have any other? I'm sure there's some, you know. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm sure there's some album somewhere where, you know, he... Sings Jingle Bells or something, but like it's the only one anyone knows or cares about is Last Christmas, right? Yeah, I was thinking of, I was trying to think of movies, I, like actual because I'm probably in your boat where I don't really love like a lot of the Christmas movies. I'm probably similarly not terribly sentimental, and I, I agree. Like the point of just like oh, you have to love Christmas is not enough. Like usually for a character, right? Um, and but for some reason I am a real sucker for uh, Scrooged. The uh, Scrooged made my list. Did yes, it? Yeah. it did. It was one of those films that. And again, I think yeah, there's something about Bill Murray. Yeah, it's he a, feels like again, yeah, his take on it is kind of like okay, yeah, if, if I if I have to watch this, I can identify with that performance mm-hmm. and how he looks at things. It's like a really smart casting for an Ebenezer Scrooge character. Yes, definitely. Because Bill Murray's always sort of walking a weird line of being unlikable. <laughs> right. Because you, you always get the and sense being a jerk, that right? wherever he is, he doesn't really believe in whatever the, yeah. the theory or the thought or the driving force behind yeah. Whatever film he's in, he's always kind of like, eh. yeah, he's always the cynic of yeah. like the, the group or, or, you know, he's he's always sort of. Yeah, you're right. He's always outside of it a little bit. Yeah. And so that makes him perfect to like be the person who doesn't sort of really care about Christmas. Right. <laughs> in a way that and I mean, it's also just great because he's such a jerk in it that it's just delightful. Like that is sort of enough to make you want to understand this sort of redemption. Again, mm-hmm. it has less to do about like Christmas and more about just being a decent person. And so maybe that's why it works for me on, on that level. But, uh, right. yeah, I, really I feel Scrooged. I am far more interested in that aspect than say Will Ferrell and elf, which Will Ferrell yeah. and elf is fine. Yeah. But yeah, they the, you, again, it feels forced that love of the season and mm. even the whole. I mean, again, you're talking about really the love of Santa Claus and elves and all that stuff. Yeah. But even at that, it's just kind of like, okay, I get it. But and I, but that's what people buy into. Mm. And I think it takes a different perspective to buy into Scrooged. Yeah. And again, yeah. especially the Bill Murray character and this in that portrayal. And I think it's also it's just one of those movies where I I like watching so many people in it. All of the ghosts are great. Right. Like they're so wonderful. Um Alfrey Woodard as the like Bob Cratchit character is she's like so fun to watch in that movie mm-hmm. just to watch her be exhausted by Bill Murray's character. <laughs> it's just so great. Um so there's lots of things I really love and like uh it sort of pokes fun at like Maybe another thing that makes it work for me is that it's also poking fun of the sort of like sentimentality and the silliness of the system, because like 
he is at the same time he's a TV producer and he's making this live TV Christmas Carol, which right. features the solid gold dancers. <laughs> One of my favorite parts. <laughs> There's like sort of all of these anachronist things that are just like clearly just meant to get ratings and things, but it's sort of, so it's also like poking fun of that at the same time. So right. It's pretty great. Yeah. You know, again, I go just to kind of wrapping things up for me, thinking about holiday films and all that. Again, I just feel like the, the season itself is we would be better served and and if we would stop thinking about the idea of trying to create those films and just really kind of look at where we are naturally anyway. Cause like I said, we are always at the holidays at the perfect storm for the best films that are going to come out in any given year. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just accept that piece up and say, well, wait a minute, you know, here's, here's the real gift that we're getting. Like I, and again, you know, I have a different, a slightly different take on the season this year because I'm much more involved in voting and keeping track of the best films of the year. But, you know, within this crazy period, we've got, you know, Netflix has given us The Irishman and Marriage Story and Two Popes is getting ready to come out and Parasites here. And, you know, in the next day or two, I'm going to end up seeing <clears throat> The Rise of Skywalker and cats which again those exact don't exactly fit into what i'm talking about coming out on the same day i'm seeing yeah so i'm kind of looking at all of that and i'm like well wait a minute you know what if you like movies at this time of the year there's going to be something for everybody yeah so that's the real gift like who don't worry about coming up with these crappy films that are pushing pushing stuff in that way let's just enjoy what we're getting the other stuff that we're getting well, let's go to the galleries and uh, talk some more about Christmas. All right. <laughs> so we are in gallery 121. And uh, what I thought we would do is we're going to look at a few pieces um, and we're not going to spend very much time. We're just going to do it really quickly. But uh, we're going to look at a painting and then try to come up with like a basic premise of a Christmas movie that could be inspired by this painting. Now, the fact that you don't like Christmas movies is actually, I love this because I kind of want you to <laughs> roast these, you know, like I kind of want you to come up with like the worst movies. We're going to come up with really bizarre ideas. I, yeah. I can feel it. So, so this first one is, is local. Um, this is uh, E.T. Hurley or Edward Timothy Hurley, uh, Garfield Park. And uh, it's this really snowy scene uh, in downtown Cincinnati, very uh, impressionist uh, style with this, you know, kind of almost feels like the snow is falling in front of you um, and you can barely make out, you know, figures and cars and things. So what, what would your first instinct of this movie be? Well, the funny thing is the first instinct again, and yes, I'm standing here reading about this painting. And if I didn't know that it was from downtown Cincinnati, my first thought would be this is in New York. Hmm. 
I so, live like right here. So this is like, I'm immediately like, Oh no, no, I know this. I live downtown now too, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know this park in that way, but like I said, it reminds me of New York. And if it were, if I'm going to go with that, that idea, especially kind of going off the film notion, we have tons of stories in New York that take place with the whole notion of people meeting mm-hmm. or rendezvous or things like that. But I want to, I want to move away from that and try to come up with like a Cincinnati version yeah. of this meeting. Well, and I was just going to, a uh, little background here. Some of the reasons you might not have recognized it right away is that the park has changed quite a lot since right. 1917 when this was painted. Um, one of the differences is uh, the location of the sculpture. So William Henry Harrison, that's the horse one right here, mm-hmm. is and Garfield have swapped locations oh. since their you know original placement. So this is, uh, if you imagine, this is would be like viewed from where the Garfield sculpture is now, which is closer to the public library. Right. Okay. Looking down, and another thing that's different is that church had a really, really tall spire that was like destroyed in a wind. So there's no, that really, really tall spire does not exist anymore. Okay. So if you're going down there, it's still a very dramatic shot because you can see the towers of city hall and and the temples and the churches all around Mm -hmm. there, but you can't, you don't have anything quite that dramatic anymore because it was, it was destroyed. Yeah. I, I mean, I really love, like I would totally keep this movie set in 1917 because I love the like cars and everything. Right. And you do get that feel in this painting. And yeah, I, I think I would go, I mean, I think, yeah, okay. We can go with the, the setting as being the same, but I would almost imagine in my head, and this is going to get really weird and bizarre, but I'm kind of thinking of, like a version of the public okay. that takes place during the holiday season where, again, I'm looking at this and you're right. The painting really kind of gives this sense if you're, you're in the midst of this snowstorm mm-hmm. and you can't get away. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, the few figures that we see are trying to find that place, that shelter. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's someone waiting for them in the shelter and, it's uh, either a loved one, family-wise, or a, a potential romantic attachment that they are going to trying to get to meet. Um, yeah, now I'm becoming really conventional in the way I'm approaching this. But. No, I think all of these are going to become really conventional because, like, <laughs> that's the point, right? Like, yeah, you can't kind of create a Christmas movie without like leaning into conventions right. because like, that's what they're based around. And it's, it's it's funny too because when you when you decided to, to again to set it in 1917, it's like, yeah, I can't really do anything goofy or. Ironic about 1917. It's like, I I feel like I have to take it as it is. Yeah, it's not a time period that really, you can't, I feel like we don't know enough about it. I mean, I I literally did just watch the film 1917, like last week. So (laughs) I I can't get that time period out of my head. And like I said, I can't do anything really fun or cheeky with it. So it's like, like, yeah, we don't even really like. It just as as a culture, I feel like we don't know a lot about World War One, and right. we just don't talk about it all that much. It doesn't have the same kind of resonance. Like we don't 
we mostly don't have grandparents who fought in it or mm-hmm. anything. So it's like it's it's this time that is a little bit too removed from us, right. maybe. So you have to be fairly earnest about it. And yeah. yeah, like I said, and again, I actually I really like the painting, but I'm I'm so again I'm kind of caught up in the the cold and the and the the snowstorm itself, and and I'm thinking that yes, that's. There is something again very much in reminiscent of the idea of the public. Yeah. Okay. There. So it's funny. Before you said that, I, I was actually formulating my own little movie in my head, and it's similar, um, though it, it is also probably deeply conventional. But I was thinking about the same idea of being like snowed in as mm-hmm. like a premise, and like thinking about people who can't get to their real families on Christmas, uh, who are trapped in like an apartment building. And so maybe we could borrow a little love, actually, where you have these like different sort of like stories happening in an apartment building. Again, I'm thinking very much about myself here because that's my association with this place is living in an apartment near here. Right. But like imagining um, these people who almost have to become this sort of like found family for Christmas could be kind of interesting. That is exactly what the season does for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I like this idea, but I'm going to tell you now, mm. you say we have two more of these. We have to do something a little more interesting with one of the other two. I think we will. All right. Well, we, maybe. We got we to play around <laughs> with these somehow. Yeah, maybe. That one was very conventional. It was really boring. Yeah, let's, let's, but, let's mix it up. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even really, uh, what would you call that movie? Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that good, huh? I mean, the sad thing is that I'm looking down again. I'm kind of like, wow, I'm, again, I've got 1917 on the brain and I mm. can't get that out. So, no, that shouldn't have anything to do with it. Hmm. Titles are tough, too. It's like one of those things where it's like you want I want to be the person who can just rip out a title like really fast. But the truth is, I usually am like mulling them over forever. And then if I ever say anything that sounds like a very clever thing, it's just because I thought about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually a long As a time. writer, that's the great thing about it. You spend so much time. That's where you, they, you don't have to do it. You, on the you work, you yeah. get the workshop it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Away in a manger. I'm thinking like away in the park or I don't know. Hey, maybe, maybe the rule is like all of these can just be called the, their painting title. Like you sure. can just call this the, the theme, the movie can just be called Garfield park. Sure. Oh. Oh. That's, see, that saves us, but and it's a very non-committal like, Christmas movie. Right. The, the studio execs are never going to let us pass that. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, I think with the whole idea of the little vignettes and the people in the apartment buildings, maybe there is something to that. I'm already imagining. I mean, I like it. I like it, actually, as a title. Like, I think it's actually a nice, it would be a nice movie title, but I'm also imagining a... Uh, a uh, a studio exec who was like Garfield Park, like the cat. What's this? You know, like <laughs> in my mind, I have the 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 other studio exec who's like, well, is it like that Gosford Park film that no I one liked? Of, <laughs> I thought of Gosford Park too. <laughs> hey, everyone loved Gosford Park. I love Gosford Park. None of you're a studio exec. That's Come true. on now. <laughs> None of, wait, you're saying the general public doesn't just love an Altman movie <laughs> with Maggie Smith? That's like so specifically a movie for me as I'm saying these words. <laughs> An a Robert Altman movie with Maggie Smith. In wow. It. Uh, 
so we're now in gallery 225 and we're looking at a painting called Last Flowers uh, by uh, Jules Breton. I should say that more French. I'm sorry. Jules uh, Breton? We'd be call it, uh, Sounds Jules, good. Jules Breton? I'm not even going to try that. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so this one is not explicitly... I mean, I guess the last one was not explicitly Christmas either. This is just like winter, basically. Right. But I kind of was thinking this had the makings of potentially like a good Hallmark Christmas movie, even. We might have to update it. Like, we might not keep it in 1890. You know, you could, you could, you could take it to the future. Or the present, really. Not well, maybe maybe right. the future. I don't know. Maybe no, that's I'm, I'm trying to figure this one out. Because, again, uh, unfortunately, because of the Last Flowers title, mm. you know, I, I immediately went to, ooh, can we do something last Christmassy with it? Oh, okay. And I don't want to now. Well, yeah. Because there's something, there's something a little pure about this piece. Oh, so we should describe it. I've done a bad job at that. Okay, so what, what is happening in this painting is we have this woman... And she is walking in the snow in a garden, which we presume is her garden. And she is trimming flowers that she sort of collected around her waist. She's got some sort of little, like, what do you call that thing? I don't even know. I know. I, that's true. I can't figure <laughs> out kind what of kind of pouchy, apron-y, apron-y pouchy yeah. thing. You know, it's like tied around her, but she's able to kind of collect all the, these flowers in it. So I guess the idea is like these are the last flowers that are probably going to grow for the year is how I've always interpreted yes. the title. I don't know. But uh, I feel like if, if you were to make a Hallmark movie about this, she is a like a real uh, headstrong businesswoman, right? <laughs> she deals with flowers. <laughs> she sells flowers. Sure. You know, I, I hear you. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to fight it. And again, I, I'm going to go more conventional. Okay. Just because I, I'm willing to stick with the 1890 Okay. time period here okay. and just the idea that she's collecting these flowers and again we can see that they are flowers that are covered with snow so she's finding again just those perfect buds that still have their color that haven't completely been touched by the snow she's collecting them she's going to bring them back into the house I don't I don't want to see her as the owner of the garden I think she works for the family mm. that owns the house I'm trying the to grounds of, the, of with the garden. I'm trying to come up with a sort of um, like to me now. If we go that route, I think this is the could be the like culmination of like this is the like a big pivotal moment in the movie where she is collecting her precious last flowers that she was yes. going to use for something else, but she's going to use them to like decorate the tree at the orphanage or something. Right. right? I'm, like, yep, I'm totally with you on yeah, that. Like, yeah. This, like, this needs to be like a sacrifice for the good of others. Right. Um, and so that's why I'm trying to think of like, what is the thing she needs the flowers for? Like there has to be a thing she needed the flowers for before. And then she's going to give that up to do something that she, that is better. Yeah, I was thinking it was kind of like the choice between collecting these and them just going to the old mistress of the of the house. Oh, and she okay. instead says, you know what, no, the, the, the old ladies own this house. The flowers are her, sure. But let's, let's yeah, let's take them to the orphanage or oh, take so she's, them somewhere. So she's like the help who, yes. who like goes out and, and there's a very demanding Maggie Smith type who... <laughs> uh, Maggie doesn't eat the flowers. That's true. That's who's upstairs, kind of like you know, like uh, 
primrose, where's my prim? You know, something like that, yeah. you know. Um, no, she's taking them out. And maybe not the orphanage, because I can't imagine kids in an orphanage really caring that much about flowers. But they're going somewhere. Mm. I don't know. You know, the, the, the parish nearby or some other family that you know, doesn't have gifts and this is their opportunity to get something that reminds them of the beauty and love of the season, da 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 da, da that kind of thing. Or she meets somebody who has to like open her eyes to the world of Christmas and who also yes. maybe can like do something with the flowers. And that's what I'm trying to imagine what that would be. Like he makes amazing I was going to say perfume, but that's like, doesn't the perfume isn't really helpful for orphans, so no. that's like not really great. Like, it's, it doesn't, high quality luxury goods made from, like, that's that doesn't lend itself to Right, it. yeah. and, and of course now I'm also thinking I've seen way too many comic book films or whatever, because I'm kind of like, wow, what if the flowers had, like, powers that could hey, somehow do something? We can go there. Like, it could. Like, you could. Like, that might be the more interesting way. Yeah, because like, again, I keep looking looking at them and again they the, the colors stand out so mm -hmm. yes there should be something more meaningful that you're going to get out of these flowers than these are magic christmas flowers yeah i mean come on they're Man. like like each like each flower Ooh, okay i'm on to, i'm onto something now okay each flower like there's a there's a, only so many of them but like she meets somebody or, or figures out this way that a flower can be transformed into like a gift or a yes. wish. Yes. I'm, t I'm totally down with that. So like that, like she can basically kind of Amelie her way through like this like yes. town or something by like helping Beautiful. people. And it's the town. Yes. It is the town. She is not necessarily taking it to one place, but she will go maybe house by house and each family in the house gets whatever yes. they need so and then she can she can uh and then maybe there isn't like a lady or somebody maybe there's an, a, a dowager who, need, who like demands them but like maybe the sacrifice is, is also more about like that she needs something and she's not using them for herself you know but sure. then at the end the townspeople come together for her or something you know like you have something like that where and again, a little it gets us back to the the overall traditional kind of spirit of things right, right, yes right, right, everybody right, right. comes back and it's like wow thanks to your flowers we've gotten what we wanted or what we needed for the season yeah and we want to give you something back to warm your heart as well okay that might work on me like i am a sucker for like gratitude in movies is like the most like I don't cry at death, but gratitude I will totally cry at. All right, like um, bowing to hobbits. <laughs> I'm I'm that'll get me. I'm feeling this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm surprised that I'm saying this, but no, I'm feeling feeling. This I like idea. magic flowers that turn to gifts. Yeah, like I yeah. think that's definitely the way to go with this one. Also, wow. yeah, like we needed more magic, so like that's totally there. Like, you go. I mean, a little Christmas magic. All right, last flowers. Okay, uh, let's move on to our next one. Um, so we are in Gallery 211 and in front of Horace Pippin's Christmas Morning Breakfast. TT just released a heavy sigh. 
<laughs> a telling heavy sigh, which makes me think he's maybe dreading this one. I don't know. I've been thinking about this one the most because I, I believe you mentioned this when, when, we, when we first introduced the idea of me coming in. Yeah, because I, I haven't I, I actually have not like talked about this painting ever on the show. Wow. And, and I had plans to do it last year around Christmas as well. And uh, my guest fell through or something. And so I was just kind of like, oh, I need to. So this year I was thinking, I was like, I need to talk about it because it's like, it's always fun to have holiday connections. Right. <laughs> and, and like, this is the probably only piece we have in the museum that has Christmas in the title. Yes. So that's probably like, it is the most direct uh, Christmas painting we have. Um, so just to describe the painting, um, we have this uh, sort of, you know, Christmas tree off to the one side, this boy sitting at a table. His mother is bringing him like a stack of pancakes. Um, the house is sparsely decorated and you get the impression that like there's cracks in the walls and you can see boards and things through the wall. So you're kind of under the impression that this is, you know, not a wealthy family. Um, and um, the artist is a self-taught artist, too. So there's some kind of, you know, very peculiar, like there is no sort of realistic perspective in the painting. Like the floorboards are straight up and down. The walls um, generally kind of just everything is very like flat against the wall. So it, it all has a sort of childlike look about it as well. Um, anything else? You know, that's true. Everything that you said, but I've, I'm also intrigued by the idea that in Horace Pippin's work, there is something very kind of realistic in the simplicity of what he's mm. rendering. He's, he's, he's giving you exactly what he sees right. of this, of this scene. Yeah. And it's very specific too. Like, yeah, yeah it's not, um, you know, even uh, the shapes of, of things feel very specific, like this, uh, I, you know, this like pitcher or like coffee pot maybe on mm -hmm. the stove. Sure. Um, you know, it feels very specific. Um, it, this like alarm clock over his head and, and, you know, there's just all these like lots of details. Even the ornaments on the tree feel like very, very specific of, right. you know, different things. Like it looks like popcorn balls maybe and... Uh, popcorn garland and the candy canes. Mm -hmm. There's an orange under the tree, which is like always this thing people get in for Christmas in like old movies. Right. <laughs> right. Which is funny though, because, and again, I know the, again, the premise of what we're doing here mm -hmm. is trying to come up with a film yeah. for this. But the funny thing for me is I don't, and I don't know if it's, it's Pippin's work itself or mm -hmm. what, but I don't feel I don't feel a movie coming off of this. That's the, that's the, maybe mm. that was why I sighed when I first okay. got here. Cause it's, it's kind of like, wow, there's, it, it is so, it is so flat. Mm. It just doesn't, it doesn't spring to life in that way. Mm. But you're right. I mean, again, all of the details are very specific. Yeah. I think, I, I think like it is, I think you could totally make a movie though of this. It's, it seems like totally a, 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 
about like a person's memory of their childhood. And, and it's like, it, it is also going to dance into that like deeply sentimental territory. Sure. Right. Definitely. Of like, we didn't have much, but we had each other. Like that yeah. kind of story yeah. is going to be what you're going to make. Your right? mom giving you again, that, that stack of flapjacks and yeah, it's, there is something homey and, and rosy about the memory of what you're, you're getting here and what you're seeing. Yeah. There is something that I'm like, uh, I don't want to make a movie that's just like this sort of glorification of like, isn't it great to be poor or something? Right. Like, that's the thing that I'm sort of like, uh, like, that would be the thing I don't want to make. Because there is right. like a certain type of weird. All right. I feel like Christmas movies dip into that a lot, too. Yes, they do. And I, th- I think it's just like a lot of like Christmas movies ultimately end up uh, when you're kind of talking about the commercialization and like presents and stuff and like gifts and everything. So it all ends up being connected with money in some weird right. way. And it, it's always there in the background, even if it's not. So like, th- I mean, you have Scrooge visiting Cratchit's family and like that's a very classic like... I'm going to go see the poor people and how much richer they are than me and like learn from them. So, all right, I've got it. Okay. And it's, it's playing off of some of what you just said, but it's going into a different and hopefully interesting and bizarre place. Cause <laughs> okay. now that we're talking this through, I'm kind of thinking about Octo- Octavia Butler Ooh. and sort of the idea of her stories of moving through time and, as I keep looking at this young man at the center of the story, I'm kind of like, well, what if I'm that young man? Okay. And you take T.T. Stern Enzi from 2019 and have me go back to Christmas morning breakfast in 1945. You're going to quantum leap into the painting? I am going to quantum leap into this painting. Yes. And it's an experience (laughs) that is obviously not my own, but maybe he is a descendant of mine, a recent descendant. And it's kind of like, okay, well, I've heard stories about this young man. Okay. And yeah, I'm in his, I'm in his life in this moment and trying to appreciate again, all of these details that we have, but yet knowing that the, yeah, I, again, you don't want to glorify that. Yeah. But trying to figure out, okay, what, what does this really mean to me? Again, I'm I can I'm I'm looking at it now, but what would it mean if I were, if I found myself in that scene with all that around? Mm-hmm. Would it would it inspire some sense of the holiday spirit in the season in me, or would it make me even more cynical because I would be able to look at it and think, well, gosh, yeah, we don't have all of these things or whatever I would imagine that the season is supposed to give, and would it make me angry? Would it mm. make me? even more frustrated with my situation. Yeah. I like that though. Cause then it's like, you're, you're not able, I think that that would be a good perspective though, because then you would be bringing the character of you, <laughs> the character of, of like a person who, who lives in a different time to this world. So it would, it would not, all be rosy necessarily and you can maybe sidestep some of the the risks of being overly sentimental about things. right like right. I, so i think that would be that would be good yeah you're going to jumanji into the jungle into this painting. <laughs> <laughs> there's something again there's a, there's a, a fascinating idea behind and again like i said i do i love 
Butler's work in that way because yeah, she plays with race and history mm-hmm. and and what it all means. And again, that notion of being a contemporary black person going back into another period. And again, 1945 would not necessarily be the same as going to 1890 or, you know, any other earlier time period. But there, yeah, there's still going to be issues in 1945. So, yeah. And again, looking, like I said, at this character and his, his mother giving him, you know, the pancakes and this morning, you know, and that old, fashion stove and that, again that life and what it might mean to live in that time yeah there's something mm. pretty fascinating about yeah. that and it's a story that we don't normally get yeah that's that that was something i was thinking about this is like in a way like this christmas story would be actually very unique like on on one hand i'm saying like oh i don't want to do the cliche of like scrooge visiting the poor but mm-hmm. at the same time that's it would be unique because that's Scrooge's story always, right? Like right. it's never actually Cratchit's story. Mm-hmm. It's never like it's never actually from that perspective from the start. And right. so, like to actually have that that would be a little different. Yeah. So to be this young man in this particular story, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, at some point he's going to get up after he knocks off those pancakes. Which I keep going back to those pancakes. Maybe I need to have like brunch or something right now. I know. <laughs> I was saying I was hungry before and now like keep talking about them. Like, but yeah, his, there's obviously something about his life and this holiday season that is, yeah. Like what is he going to do? Is he going to, you know, finish breakfast and then go open his gifts? You know, is he, are there going to be other people who are going to come into his life and who are those other people that are going to come in and how is he going to interact with them? Mm. You know, what's the world going to be like outside of this one very flat scene? So what does the lesson, what is the lesson that future TT has to learn by quantum leaping into the story? And then what is the the lesson he will learn of like, how does he get out of the situation? Right. Which that's always the, the curious part. And I don't know that I necessarily need to figure out how, how and why you get back. Because, again, going back to Octavia Butler, she never necessarily felt the need to explain Mm. those things. She would just move. You know, there could be stress or crisis or whatever, but something would happen and would sort of shock you back to the place where you were. Mm. And you might not immediately understand the lesson that you just learned from that setting and that scene. You might have to go back a couple of times. Okay. So maybe... Who knows? Maybe the scene that we're laying out for this film right now is not even the first time that I've been back to 1945. Okay. Maybe I was there a week before. Okay. Or, you know, so maybe, you kind of come back and forth. Yeah, you kind of hmm. keep moving in there. Again, these lessons that you're learning and you're trying to figure out how how and what the time period is supposed to be teaching you. That's nice. I like that, like having running parallels between like two stories instead of just like you're there. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get the rules of like quantum leap out of my head. <laughs> so in my mind, it was like the, the idea of like, I've learned the meaning of Christmas. Why am I still here? And then realizing like there's something else like, Oh, it's not Christmas. It's that actually I'm here for. not oh. the meaning of I, I actually, that wasn't the problem I had to solve. <laughs> it was not just learning the meaning of Christmas. 
Maybe I need to learn the meaning of New Year's Eve. <laughs> and I've just got to be here longer. Oh, no, it's not that either. Okay, I've, I've been to New Year's Eve and I'm still here. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to learn the meaning of President's Day. All right. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I've learned now. Thank you. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> True meaning. All right. Well, any any other last thoughts? No, other than the fact that I honestly was a little concerned about this last last one, but I feel like this may have been, you know, I think they're all interesting in their own ways, all of the films that we yeah. have developed along the way, but I find that this one was surprising. Yeah, I'm glad you brought in a new, a new angle on it because it, it, I was worried it would just be oozy, drippy sentimentality, right, which right. is like, yeah, not very interesting to me. Yeah. And, um, I, and it was, it was, yeah, it was important to kind of stay away from that. Yeah. But and, I like that idea of like bringing in like a, a contemporary perspective on something would change everything of like how you looked at things too. Right. Like, I think even as a viewer, you would suddenly see things with slightly different eyes. So yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you. Sure. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. Special exhibitions include The Levy, a photographer in the American South, Women Breaking Boundaries, and Treasures of the Spanish World. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. I'm going to be on vacation for a few weeks, so Art Palace will also take a little break. We will be back with a new episode on January 20th. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and also join our Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Ofrande Musicale by Bacalao. And as always, please rate and review us to help others find the show. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum. Music